Hi, I'm Peter Schwing, and welcome to the Stories from the Run podcast and community. This is the show for the everyday runner, all about inspiring and sometimes humorous stories from your fellow runners. Before we get into today's episode, I'd like to thank all our supporters for making this podcast possible. If you like what you hear, please slam that subscribe button or sign up on our website, storiesfromtherun.com. You can also join the Facebook community or follow us on Instagram through the links in the show notes. Did you know a half marathon was 13.1 miles? Our next guest has a great story about signing up for his first one without knowing that. It's kind of like one of those 5K marathons non-runners talk about. Also, due to having to deal with diabetes, he makes his own energy fuel talks why goos aren't good for him, and shares why community is important. We're going to call this one hashtag negative splits, hashtag community. Let's get to it. State your name and any club affiliation for the record, please. Guillermo Jimenez, uh, Crown Heights Running Club, also known as the uh, negative uh, splits. The negative splits, the banana crew. How are you, Guillermo? That's correct. I'm well, thank you. So let's let's find out a little bit of background on you. Uh, you know, how long have you been running? And is this something like in high school were you active? Were you running back then? Uh, well, in high school, I attended a, a, a non-traditional high school. Um, it was a charter school um, where we didn't really have a big curriculum per se. Uh, no, it's a very um, unique high school because they gave us a lot of freedom. Um, it started the whole charter school movement in New York city. It was one of the first charter schools. Ah, yes. And, um, so not to go into too much details, but like, you know, the main thing was they gave us freedom, but there wasn't uh, much curriculum to, to go through. And we didn't have a lot of sports. Um, you know, at the end of the, uh, our four years in school, uh, we had to present a portfolio of all our work to a panel of experts or, you know, a math teacher, a science teacher, an art teacher, and it will decide whether we were ready for graduation. Uh, on my senior year, the city decided that we needed to be tested uh, in the, uh, for the regions and the like 99% of the school passed the regions with like an 80, like 80 or above. Um, so the school is very successful. It's called the uh, International High School at LaGuardia Community College. Uh, but unfortunately, we didn't ha- did ha- have a physical education program per se. So all the running I did was uh, a little bit on a treadmill or whatnot, and I really did not, did not like it. Nobody um, likes I, running on the treadmill. Yes. Uh, so that's why I refused to do a treadmill uh, ever again. Anyhow. Um, I fast forward to 2015 and I'm not feeling well. You know, I, I know the signs of diabetes and, and everything, but as with certain illnesses, you go through different stages and I was in the denial stage. Um, so towards the end of the summer, I started to feel some of the symptoms of like, uh, of complications of diabetes. Um, I took myself to the, to the ER. And I tell, you know, I had some chest pains and, you know, that could be a complication of diabetes. Uh, you know, it starts to damage your heart, arteries and whatnot. 
so I, I you know, became a little scared. I went uh, to the ER and I, you know, uh, everyone hears like bad stories about Kings County and whatever. Uh, I went there. They took me in immediately. I was pleasantly surprised that, you know, everything was smooth. Um, so I tell the, the nurse, uh, I was like, could you check my glucose? I, I think I might be pre-diabetic. Uh, she tells me, you know, she, she checks. She comes back with her, you know, with her glucometer and she says, honey, you're not pre-diabetic. You, I think you're a full-blown diabetic. Your, your readings are off the chart. Like I could see, um, I don't know if you're familiar with, um, with the scale, but, uh, the meter showed that I had, uh, 350, um, on, uh, on the glucose, mm, really, uh, on the glucose, yeah, on the yeah. glucose scale. And, and um, what would normal which is, be which considered? Is, which is very a uh, hundred and twenty and below. So it was double than than normal. They kept me on observation um, for about two days until my glucose went down. They ran different tests to make sure that you know it, it was uh, diabetes. It wasn't. So sometimes you you may have. People may have um, a little episode of uh, hyperglycemia here and there. Uh, so to make sure to fully diagnose you with diabetes, they run this test called the A1C. And the normal, I believe, is below 5.6. Below, you know, below 6 is considered normal. Mine was at 11.9. So almost double. Um so I had a talk to to the uh, endocrinologist, and he told me, you know, they they gave me uh, five types of medicine, which one of them included insulin, insulin, metformin. Uh, it turned out that it, I didn't have any heart issues; it was just heartburn. Uh, thank God. Uh, but they did give me some medicine for acid reflux. I forgot the name. Um, and they also gave me some high blood pressure medicine because they say diabetes and um, blood pressure go hand in hand. They're like the twin sisters. Go figure. Um, so I was, you know, taking this all these medications and he told me, well, you're young. Maybe you could control your illness through diet and exercise. What what was your diet like at that time? Well, I had already, you know, like I said, I was in that little stage where I kind of expected I had diabetes. So I had began to try to change my eating habits. So I, I had cut down um, soda from my um, from my diet. Uh, I was drinking diet soda, though, lots of it. Um, and... I had this, I had switched to a morning shake, which was, you know, I laugh now because I realized like how much sugar there is in in it. Um, I, my morning shake consisted of um, half a bag of frozen pineapple from Trader Joe's, uh, one cup of orange juice, um, some chia, some, some flax seeds, uh, a banana and a sprinkle of uh, either spinach or frozen kale just to make it look green. Right. And it tasted great. It tasted great. It, it's, it's, you know, it was really sweet and everything. And I loved it. I thought I was, you know, um, having this 
I mean, it's wholesome food, but it's still full of sugar, you know? Um, then that wasn't really helping with my, uh, with my diabetes. Um, but I was trying to, to eat a little better here and there. Um, and, you know, thankfully my doctor referred me to, to a uh, nutrition class in which we learned, you know, uh, to read labels, first of all, like, you know, um, sometimes we're on the go and we're like, oh, I'm going to grab a, a granola bar. But when you read the ingredients, uh, the first ingredient is either sugar or the second ingredient is sugar. And what I didn't know is that given the percentage of what it's contained in that specific food, that's the order in which it is um, listed. So, you know, you have oats and then sugar. You know, there's a big probability that, uh, you know, like at least 40% of that bar is sugar. Right. And it's like those power bars you see, the, you know, the chocolate chip cookie dough, power bar, protein bar. Yes. And it's it's basically a Snickers with some protein added in. Yes. Which is good if you're running ultras because you you, you need yeah. you need the calories and the sugar, but it's not for your yeah, daily you, living. Even if you're running ultras, I mean, you could get your 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 fuel from you know natural sources, uh, which that's my whole other take, and that's how my philosophy evolved uh, with with food uh, afterwards. So let's get into that about like how you had to change your diet for running. And how you combine those two to balance out your needs for training and just everyday dietary needs. Well, um, like I said, I, I really didn't change a lot. I just, uh, my philosophy, uh, you know, is um, I try to eat things as wholesome as possible. Um, so I try to avoid processed foods as much as I can. Um, you know, if it comes already packed or whatever into this, um, I, I just, won't, I will just try to avoid it. Um, I make my own fuel, uh, bananas I find are great. I've run three marathons with a mix of, uh, bananas, chia seeds and salt. Oh, that's a good mix. Chia seeds have a lot, chia seeds have a lot of carbohydrates in it. Right. And I have not hit the wall yet. Uh, so it's pretty um you know pretty awesome that you 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 have to train your body to uh to to process these things but uh i believe it, it could be it could be done uh so the main thing um you know in terms of I, i'm not gonna deprive myself uh the first thing that i um that i tell people is you know i really don't like the the term diet because it has become like a, a negative term and you're gonna, you know, we immediately think of of a diet that has a having a beginning and an end. Uh, when in reality, you diet are you eating habits? So I tell people, I have these eating habits. Uh, I like that term better because I'm thinking long term. You know, if I, you know, some people gave up, uh, you know, going to this fad things like the keto diet and and whatnot. Um, I think of myself on both like uh, one economically, uh, can I sustain like can I sustain this for the rest of my life? That's the main question I ask. If my answer is no, then I'm not probably gonna not gonna make that change. So you know, it's like 
would I give up dairy? Probably not because I enjoy eating ice cream here and there sometimes. Um, I found that I really like goat milk and it helped me to recover faster for some reason. Uh, because, you know, doing all this research for diabetes, I, uh, it was recommended that goat milk uh, is actually processed easier and raises your glucose levels um, slower than um, milk would. Because it has um, lactose is a type of, uh, of sugar. And that's the main ingredient in milk. You had to avoid goos and you had to, so like gels, goos, like you said, you make your own energy blend. So was that something you were using before that you changed instead of using gels and things like that? And what do you, how do you look at them nowadays? Um, I actually never used them because uh, I, I started running, um, bef uh, uh, you know, my running career, running career, you may call it. Uh, I started running after I was diagnosed with diabetes, and uh, you know, as I discovered a way to um, control my glucose, running became a way to control my glucose. Um, so when going to further distances, uh, it was kind of a necessity to look at. Uh, other sources of fuel rather than goo that I knew that has a higher glycemic index. Um, now, high the glycemic index, uh, as people don't know, is the, um, the amount of time in which your body can process, uh, can absorb the glucose or sugar into your body. So, you know, when you are, when you are, um, you know, running and, you know, having this whole physical activity that you're using all this fuel, you want stuff that has a high glycemic index. But I couldn't really do that because it would just have my glucose levels just kind of skyrocket. So it's kind of a, you know, a big dilemma, like a little balance here and there. I mean, this is really interesting because there, there are so many people that are going through what you are dealing with. And this is something that it doesn't necessarily go away. It's just something that you have to learn to manage. Is that the case? Uh, kind of. Um, so uh, going back a little, I started running. You know, I, I tried to, I live right next to Prospect Park. So I had never really ran a loop of the park. Um, and I decided that, you know, from my doctor's advice to become more physically active and go and do a, a, a loop of the park, which by the way, turned out to be like in an hour and a, and a half, almost, I think I, I tried to run, but I couldn't really, um, but after becoming more and more physically active, uh, I found that my glucose was dropping uh, significantly. Um, I will test uh, before going to bed, and it was I was hitting like hypoglycemic levels. Uh, you know, uh, you, you, the range is usually I believe like between one hundred and twenty and eighty. Uh, that's the normal range of glucose. Uh, below that is is considered um, hypoglycemic. And a few times when I will come back after a run, I will check my glucose and it will be like in the 50s. And you have to immediately eat something sweet. 
So my go-to was, uh, you know, a banana. Uh, it will raise my levels to within normal range. Uh, now you start to feel a little dizzy and and whatnot. Um, long story short, uh, with the exercise and, you know, a few times I, I forgot to take my pills. I ask, um, and I didn't see any changes in the, in the glucose. So I asked my doctor, uh, I, you know, it's like, listen, I don't see any change when I forget to take my pills. Could I do like a little experiment and see if, you know, um, I ask her, what, what's the worst to do? Uh, what could damage you most? It, um, is it the, the, the insulin or the pills? And she said that, you know, long-term, the pills could cause some kidney damage. And if I wanted to, you know, it's my own body. I could uh, try for a week not taking the pills, and but record all the readings. and. If anything was normal, try two weeks, three weeks, and until we saw each other in, I believe I was seeing her every three months. So I did that and there was no change in my glucose. Um, and after that, I, I you know, I, I started to test out without the insulin and the same thing, there was no change. Um, so I told her that at the next visit, I haven't taken insulin or the metformin for three months. And she said, well, let's take a, your, take a look at your blood work. And the blood work showed that I had normal levels. I had a 5.1 A1C. So she said, officially, you don't have diabetes. Let's call it that you're on remission. So officially... She didn't say I'm cured. She said, officially, I'm on remission. Uh, and it went from having my A1C checked every six months to every year. And how is it holding up now? How long has that been since that, that remission phase began? Um, about three years. Oh, that's fantastic. In, yeah, three, three and a half years. And so you're staying within regular levels now? Yes, within regular levels, I don't really take any um, any medicine. Um, so still intermission. Yes. Well, that that's fantastic, and and that talks to us about the importance of, you know, an you know you don't want to say diet, but you know the healthy eating, changing your eating habits for long term, yes. and exercise. So the effect of exercise and healthy eating habits over the long term is what's really beneficial to you. So, so this is fantastic. That was really, it was a great, uh, uh, so much that I wasn't aware about what you go through with diabetes and everything. So that, that was really eye-opening and thank you so much. So, uh, I'd like, you know, one of the things we also like to do here on the show is we want to talk about some of your races. So, and just like really quick, cause I know we have that story that we want to get to, I guess, what would you consider is, was your best race or your favorite race? Uh, my favorite race, uh, I don't want to sound cliche because I, I, I know some of your guests have, have mentioned that they, how much they love the New York City Marathon. We, they love and hate it. <laughs> well, you know, the marathon is the marathon. Hats off for the marathon. Uh, but um, funny thing is, yes, uh, my first New York City Marathon is by far my most memorable. memorable. And, I, uh, you know, I... 
people ask me most of the time, like, uh, you know, what's your favorite race? Was I tell them, listen, it's like asking a parent of multiple children, uh, what's their favorite child? It's like, you love them all, you know? It, it, they all bring you different things to the table and different experiences, but most memorable, I, I said, is the New York City Marathon. Uh, 2017 was my first marathon. Oh, you never forget um, your first, as they say. Yeah. Yes, well, I wasn't supposed to, well, I was not going to, um, I was not scheduled to, to, to race it. Um, I was, it was actually kind of a little late surprise. Um, I became really involved with, uh, with the club, with Crown Heights. And I was actually training for, uh, for a five, for my 5k. I had read this book. Um, I forgot the author, but the title is um, "How to um, Eighty Twenty: How to Run Faster by Running Slower." Um, and you know, he mentioned that you know you need to go slower, but if you want to get faster, you want to go slower, but you know, go at like really long distances and whatnot. Uh, so I became a run leader with uh, Crown Heights Running Club. And I was, you know, leading the 16, 18 milers with them. And then the council, which is our governing body, what we call ourselves, um, reached out to me and they said, hey, Guillermo, we have an extra bid for, non-complimentary bid for the New York City Marathon. Would you like to run it? We see that, you know, you're putting in the miles and... You know, you've been volunteering a lot with the club, so we would like to see this bid go to to use. That's wonderful. Um, yeah, I, I said yes. Of you know, course. I was like, well, I'm, I'm glad I didn't read this email uh, at uh, eleven o'clock at night because I wouldn't have been able to sleep. I read it early in the morning. I replied, "Well, yeah, of course." Um, so I ran the my first New York City marathon wearing a banana suit with, along with my friend uh, Gideon Batista. And that's what I, I want to talk about this. So people have, if anybody's out in New York City and sees somebody running in a banana suit, that is somebody from Crown Heights Running Club, which you also said you call go by the negative splits. So what is the story behind this banana suit? And is it a volunteer situation or is it somebody's assigned or told that they are wearing the banana suit for a particular race? Well, I, the whole story, there are different stories of how it began. The reason, the reason why I, I embraced it was because, like I said, bananas fuel all my runs. So I found it like really uh, appealing, not to make a bad joke. Um, <laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> no pun intended. Um you know, to get the message across. People ask me, why, Yama, why do you wear the banana? I tell them, because it fuels my runs. This is, you don't need goo. I'm sorry if, if, if people eat, you know, uh, use goo and everything, but that stuff is not good for you. Uh, goo, uh, I mean, you could get all the nutrients that you need to run a marathon with natural food. Um, and that's what I use. I use bananas, chia seeds, and salt. That's my mixture. Uh, that, yeah, that's what I use for fuel. Every five kilometers, I, I, I have this little concoction. I get these little bags from, um, from Michael's. I blend my, uh, 
you know, the banana, the chia seeds and the salt, put them in this little pastry bag and just fill those tiny little bags. And they're the same size as, uh, as pockets of goo. And, and what, was that easy to carry around? I mean, does the banana suit have like pockets in it? And how hot does that banana suit get? Uh, it gets pretty hot. <laughs> <laughs> so I really don't recommend uh, racing with it right. in the summer. But we do do it for fun uh, doing team champs. Right. That's a shorter, it's a five miler. Yeah. yeah. But it's a very, very uh, hot five yeah. miles. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, it was like your most memorable race. It was fantastic. You had to run in the banana suit. So let's uh, flip the script and let's talk about what you would consider your worst race. Not really my, well, my, everybody's uh, had my, a worse my, race. My, 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 my <laughs> most memorable right. race, my most painful race. Right. I, it's I it's not like somebody, yeah. somebody's not going to say, well, I, my like one <laughs> child worse than the other one. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, the Fred LeBeau last year, the Fred LeBeau half marathon was the only, um, that one had terrible the weather, only, didn't it? The, yes, it did. The yeah. only race where I thought I wanted to quit. It was, I guess, more of a psychological, um, you know, thing. Right? Well, it was both physical and psychological. It had bad weather. I had trained really hard. I, I really wanted to break uh, 130 on the half marathon. And all the workouts were great. Uh, you know, every every single workout I'd done on the training plan, you know, said that I was going to break 130 or do even better. But then race day came along and, you know, we had rain and all this awful weather. Um, coming up uh, Harlem Hill, I wanted to just make that left um, and go into back check and get my bag. It was about, <laughs> I think, mile eight. I said, I'm done. I, I just don't want, I, I, I said, I'm not going to break. I, I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to, I wasn't going to, I knew I wasn't going to break 130. And I said, why put in all this effort? Um, now, the thing is, I don't know if anybody else gets this, but when my feet get wet, the tendons, the upper tendons in my toes begin to hurt a lot. So it felt that every step I was taking as if somebody was just hammering the top of my toes. Um, so I said, I'm, I'm, I'm really done. Now, I saw a friend cheering at Harlem Hill. Uh, his name is Nigel McGregor. Big shout out. He just, uh, I think he just broke three hours from the, he did a PR in the Miami Marathon. Right on with Nigel. Yeah. Nigel McGregor. Um, so he was there. He's like, Guillermo, pick up your knees. Let's go. So I was like, okay, Nigel, I'll finish this race. <laughs> so, you know, I, I got inspired by him and I finished the race and I didn't do, it wasn't really my personal worst in terms of, um, you know, time, but it was the one race that I, if I hadn't seen Nigel there, I would have just make that left turn uh, up there and, and go into back check and get in the back. That little extra support gives you that a giant boost. So yes, well, yes, it does. I think this makes for a really good segue into the main story where you've touched upon a few things. Like you talk about like help from the crowds, how they can give you that extra boost. You talked about the rock and roll half marathon was uh, your first one and how you first did a full loop of Prospect Park. If we tie those three pieces together, I think 
think there's a good story here. So tell us about that loop that you did of uh, Prospect Park without stopping and how that changed your life. Okay, so I decided I started running after I was diagnosed with diabetes and I had made it my goal to finish a loop of Prospect Park. And it was during that uh, it was the inaugural um, rock and roll half marathon. So I was there. I didn't know that you're not supposed to take the water from a race that you haven't signed up. I took water. It was all the, the crowds were great cheering. I finished their loop and I looked it up. I, was rock, I, I, I Googled rock and roll half marathon. A little ad popped up and it said, uh, early bird sign up, sign up for your race for next year. Uh, I debated a bit and I said, well, running is free. Mm, you know, I said, maybe, you know, the shirts is like a free shirt. So I'll sign up. I got my credit card. I paid. And then I hit me. I, I said, well, how long, how far is a half marathon? <laughs> I thought it was a leap of the park. I did not know that a half marathon was 13.1 miles. I thought it was just a loop of Prospect Park. So if anybody, you know, have friends or neighbors that ask that those don't know the difference between a 5K or a half marathon or a full marathon, which I have, I have, I have neighbors that, you know, sometimes uh, they don't know the difference between a any of the distances. Be patient with them. Right. How was that 5K marathon you ran? Yes, uh, I tell me it was fine, <laughs> but yes. So I did not. I, I did not know the, the the difference between you know. I did not know the distance what what a half marathon was. But luckily, I I did my research and I started training for it bit by bit. And that's how I discovered running different uh, distances. Um, I it was my first. I had lived in New York for twenty odd years and I had never crossed the Brooklyn Bridge. And training for that first half marathon, um, you know, I, I, I grew tired of doing loops of Prospect Park. So I decided to go different routes and try the bridges. So I ran all the bridges, Brooklyn, Williamsburg, Manhattan. And, and that just cemented my love for running. Once you get into distance, you find that you can explore so many new areas. And for me, I'll look at the map. I'll pull up Google Maps. I'll say, what's over there? I've never seen that. It's only six miles away. Well, I, <laughs> I, I have to do 12 on my, on my schedule for, uh, tomorrow. So why don't I go do that? And I think it's like throwing a dart at the map in that radius. And you get to explore and see so many things. And especially in Brooklyn, New York City, there's so much that is under discovered because most of us are just commuting to work, taking the subway. So we don't get to experience. There is a lot of history, a lot of culture, a lot of art, and you can find so many things. So yeah, for you taking the bridges, especially Brooklyn Bridge, and depending on what time of day, it was either miserable or it was a wonderful experience. Yes, it was a wonderful experience because it was, it was cold and there were, you know, there were not many tourists. <laughs> yeah, the tourists can make it that, like, it's just you don't want to run in there. That's why you'll see more runners on the Manhattan Bridge instead of, like, on the Brooklyn Bridge. Yes, and like I said, also, you mentioned, oh, it's only six miles. Um, this has becomes, you know, your, your perception of far kind of changes as, as you evolve in, into your distance running. I, I, when I began running, I couldn't phantom. Three miles, three miles mm -hmm. seem like a, a stretch that like will go on forever. Um, 
so you know it's like distance is is relative like the, the eye of the beholder you know it's like oh it's not far it's only five miles i was running with one of your uh clubmates. i forgot what block we were on it was just it's a long downhill and i just came off doing an ultra marathon in the mountains and we got to the bottom and she turned she's like now we have to go back up the hill and i wasn't i honestly was not trying to be arrogant or anything and i said what hill <laughs> she's like, oh, look at you. I'm like, you don't realize that that's not a hill. That's a speed bump or in the, in the same with distance. It's like I was in the same boat as you. Three miles. That's so far. Now at times, oh, I have to do a three mile warm up and then a three <laughs> mile correct. cool down. It's like my program, I think, wants to kill me sometimes. So I hear exactly what you're saying. I know so many people, once you get there, it becomes all relative. And therefore, your one mile warm up, you start doing 10 mile distances. It's like, oh, three miles is nothing. That's a run to the store. And you find yourself literally running errands yes, <laughs> that are a yes, mile away. <laughs> so, uh, or commuting, or yeah. commuting if you're like me. <laughs> so you talk a lot about like the community and the crowds. How important was it for you to be part of that run club and what kind of effect did it have on you? Uh, it made training very, very fun. Um, I, you know, I, I, we do most of our long runs at a conversational pace. So we're there talking about any topic, anything that you, you know, you can think of. Um, and all of a sudden you look at your watch and it says you've done 16 miles and you're like, wow, really? Um, it just makes the miles, uh, fly. And you get to meet very interesting people, people from all walks of life, uh, that have different stories. Uh, and what you know running just brings us together that's fantastic and that's one of the reasons i do this podcast is to share these stories because some of my guests i've run with many times and not even knowing and they applied to be on the show i'm like wait a second we ran together and then you find out these wonderful stories and interesting stories and you learn so much from people when you actually get to have that story and to have that conversation during a run. So for you to share your story about managing diabetes and how it, your nutrition and everything is, I appreciate that so much. And I know the listeners just got so much out of this. So I guess, what would you have as any parting words to our listeners? Um, you're running well, if you're beginning to run, you're running well, we all, we all start running for, for a different reason, whether it be mental health or like me, you know, to uh, burn off all the glucose, the excess glucose in your body. Um, just keep at it and find a community that, uh, will support you. Um, any community. There's plenty of them out there. And, and I love that. Just keep at it. Guillermo, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for being on the show. It was an eye opening and there was so much valuable information you shared. So thank you so much for agreeing to be on the show. Awesome. Thank All you. Right. All right. Thanks. Have a great night and I'll talk soon. Likewise. Bye. That's it for this week. Thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button and feel free to share with your fellow runners. If you'd like to be a guest on our program, you can apply on our website, storiesfromtherun.com. Because every runner has a story, we'd like to hear yours. Until next time, may the rain stay in Spain and the wind be at your backs. Peace.